Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. My word, the rain. Where has it come from? Isn't it shocking? It's been uh, monsoon-esque here again this morning in this neck of the woods. And that leads me nicely into our first item today on the show. Yesterday across Ireland, I think it was 16 or 17 senior county finals took place and they all happened bar one. Yes, the loud senior final and the curtain raiser, the minor beforehand, were cancelled at the 11th hour. It was due to be staged in the Gaelic grounds in Drogheda and there's been much comment from supporters of both camps in the senior final, the uh, Martins and the Newtown Blues and others besides subsequently. Now I can tell you myself, I was out yesterday morning playing golf yes I was, with three other headbangers (laughs) and we came in like drowned rats and it did rain incessantly in this area but should the game have been called off? I'm joined on the line by Donald Bray He's a well-known man in GAA circles nationally and in County Louth, a referee, and he's a committee member of the Newtown Blues. Donald, you're welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Donald, uh, you are a Newtown Blues man through and through. You 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 went to the Gaelic grounds, did you, yesterday? Yeah, I heard uh, Jerry around twelve that the match was called off. I was on the town, so I just uh, went up to the Gaelic grounds to see for myself. Uh, I walked out onto the pitch. Uh, met with a number of the uh, Niamh Martin Club and we all thought that the pitch was absolutely fantastic. The surface was dry. There was no surface water. There was no squelch under your feet, which you might get if there, if there was a lot of rain. So certainly we, we were incredulous that the match was called off. Uh, we then obviously heard that it was to do with the, that it, you know, that it was health and safety with regard to the banks. But I walked in the banks and they were the same as they always are. They were, they were wet. But they were perfectly sound underfoot. Uh, I didn't see where I, I. I'm at a loss as to why that match was called off yesterday. I truly am. If anybody wants to join in this conversation, I forgot to give the numbers at the top. If you want to say something about it, 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number. You can call in on 1850-715-958. Yes, Donald, I think it's accepted generally that the pitch was fine, but the concern was supporters. Now, I know the bank. I was born and reared beside the grounds. I spent my lifetime up there as a child and as a young fella. Um incessant rain yesterday morning I don't have to tell you that it was unbelievable we were out in it on Baltray Golf Course but 
it's all right walking the bank. I just put this to you yourself or maybe one or two others, but put two thousand people on that bank. Different story. Certainly, Jerry. Uh, the um, I, I, it was a big call, and I'm sure the, the county board uh, had a very difficult, uh, uh, you know, decision to make. Um, but I personally uh, felt that the, the, the same as they always are. Uh, they were a little wet, uh, but the matches held there in national league. People don't. People know when they're going to a match. In 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 uh, you know that they that they will be standing on banks and they wear appropriate attire and they wear appropriate. If, if footwear, um, and the, the, I've never heard of anybody falling or slipping, so I didn't see it as, as being an issue. Uh, and, and certainly, the conditions were, were uh, as far as I was concerned, they were fine. The forecast for the afternoon was good, so so it was drying up all along. And, and all you had to do was is, is, is kick on to your to, to, to your weather forecasting app, and you'd know that that drought was clearing up for the afternoon. It was a beautiful day for football, and it was an opportunity. Uh, lost uh, from from for, from from everybody's concerned. Do you accept that now with the issues we have in this country with public liability and insurance? And we've spoke about them many times on this show in relation to play centres and uh, leisure activities closing down right across the northeast because of premiums and claims, etc. Can you not just crystallise this perhaps into that issue alone, that if one person fell and claimed, or maybe two or three, the implications of that? Was that the real reason why the game was called off? Well, I, I, I wouldn't uh, think that that was... The, the, my sister is an insurance broker, and she's uh, that's a totally separate issue. Uh, GA people going to GA matches, uh, it, it, that's a totally different, dare I say, scenario. I, I wouldn't concord that would be any reason to for a match to be called off. Um, you know, I know the GA people, you know County Fine, lots of people go that wouldn't normally go as well. The communities come out, especially in the Monaster Boys area, looking for their first title. The Blues have a big following and lots of families involved there as well. And I know what you're saying, but there is that issue that if somebody falls, they can make a claim, don't you? That, that's a fact. Of course, uh, but I, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that was good enough a reason to, to call off the match. The conditions were perfect. The, 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 the grounds were, was perfect for playing football. The banks were, were um, uh, uh, both the banks that are for, for all National League matches played in the depths of winter. The day was dry. Uh, there was no reason for anybody to, to, to slip um, or that that, that that was any bigger risk than it would for any other match or for any other occasion. OK, I hear what you're saying. I'm sure others would say, well, you know, we may have to deal with a claim like this and uh, who takes it on board then? You know, there's uh, the club involved there and there is the county as well with their competition. But here's the thing. Would it have been advisable, perhaps, to have a contingency plan that with the overnight weather, lots of rain, uh, the possibility, a question mark over it even, that there should have been another venue? Uh, well, I, I, I don't really uh, agree with that Jerry because the venue that the Gaelic grounds never looked as well the pitch was immaculate the the surroundings were immaculate um, so I don't I don't think there was any need for a plan B um, certainly if there was a better venue and uh, uh, with better facilities uh, maybe so but as far as I'm concerned I thought that the Gaelic grounds was, was a perfect venue and there was no reason for that match to be called off 
Do you know today who made the call? Who, whose ultimate responsibility was it to say well, it's I, off? I, 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 when I was up there, I met with the county board officials and uh, obviously the referee, as I understand, was happy with the surface of the pitch. Um, so so um, obviously it was the officials from the county board. I spoke with Des Hapenny and he said, you know, that the pitch might cut up uh, if the minor match went ahead for the senior match. And I said, well, the obvious thing then maybe would have been to, to uh, postpone the minor match and let the senior match go ahead. But um, anyway, it, 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 I, I said to Des and, and, and the other lads there, I said, it's a very difficult decision for you, that you have to make and I'd rather you uh, have to make it than me. But, I, you know, when I think back on it now, I certainly feel that uh, I, I feel that it was a, a bad decision. Uh, the weather was drying up, the day was drying up, and uh, it would have been... Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great pity that the match didn't go ahead. So the two-game scenario may have been a factor as well. You've just mentioned there the worry that with a minor game on it first and then, you know, with it heavy enough, playable, of course, that, that might have put into well, doubt the senior game. Well, personally, I, 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 I feel I, I, the pitch was in that good of order and was drying up all the time. I don't think there would have been any issue playing the two matches and the pitch would have been would have been well able to take the two matches. Um, but if they had concerns for for the pitches taking two matches, surely uh, that would have been the, 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 the wiser option to, to, to postpone the minor game and to uh, let the senior final go ahead. It brings into real focus the issue of the county grounds and with the project going ahead now in Dundalk, that the sooner that that happens, the better and the county won't find itself down the road ever in this position again. Well, I, I feel that, uh, I personally, uh, I feel that the county grounds uh, should be in, in, in where, where it always was, in Drogheda, but obviously that's, that ship has, has sailed. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's uh, like, I, I would have played inter-county football around the, the length and breadth of Ireland and been in many pitches, and I think that the, the, the Gaelic grounds with, with, with his road network, with the roads either side of it, is a magnificent venue and it's a shame that it, it won't uh, uh, become our county ground into the future. Well, as you say, that horse has bolted at this stage and there's another project on the agenda and we watch that one with interest. Donald, uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. Good luck to both uh, teams. I just looked at the weather, by the way, for the week ahead and as accurate as it can be, it looks to be a decent weekend next weekend. So fingers crossed it will and both matches will proceed. Thanks for joining me, Donald. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Donald Brady there, committee member with the Newtown Blues. If you have anything to say, we'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. Text us, WhatsApp us, so you can comment across social media. If you care to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Let's head to our first break of the week in the afternoon on late lunch. And afterwards, do you have trouble sleeping because of a snorer? You'll want to stay with us on the show, I promise you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. Somebody says there's only one solution, Jerry. Put a roof over the country. <laughs> I remember the Unbelievables mentioning that in one of the comedy sketches. Hi, Jerry. We were watching the Scotland game yesterday. Oh, my God. The state of the pitch there that they played on. It was simply appalling. Uh, don't know how the players didn't get seriously injured. Keep the comments coming to us. 086 1800 658 is the number you need. 
Three times more people rate their partner's snoring as the most annoying habit in bed than the next most characteristic, stealing the duvet. So says a new survey from the Hastings Hotel's National Sleep Survey. And I'm joined on the line by Phil McCartan, who's the housekeeping manager at the Stormont Hotel and resident sleep expert. Phil, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for taking my call. Well, now, you're the woman I've always been wanting to talk to, a resident sleep expert when it comes to snoring. Phil, is this a big issue for you where you work? Do you hear about it a lot? Now and again, we would hear about snoring, you know, maybe early in the morning when you're coming into work and I'm going down. My office is on sort of the ground floor and I pass a few bedrooms and you might hear the odd snore. But um, you just tiptoe on past because you're really, you know, at this stage, there's not much I can do to help them, really. No, I know. But here's the thing. Do you ever get complaints from rooms, you know, adjacent to other rooms where somebody's on a snoring spree and there's somebody in the room next door and they can't get asleep? Not not really. Usually you find it's a partner <gasps> who have the problem. Yes. You know, that's in the room with them and they would come out the next morning and say, you know, you'll have to do something about it, you know. You, what can we do? Or something like that. <laughs> so there. there's a disagreement but, between uh, themselves, you're telling me. That's oh, what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but you've I seen that. Have, yes. Yeah, well, we've seen that, all right, yes. because But I recommend then what they do is take his or hers credit card and book another room. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll have a perfect, perfect sleep in, in our cloud beds, you know, and we're famous for them. You know? I know this, and I'm going to talk about this in a moment. But look, when you do have somebody who, you know, has a snoring habit, are there any tips you can give from your vast experience that may alleviate the situation, besides booking another room, Phil? Yes, there is a very old one that is the cork of a wine bottle or champagne, whatever you prepare, and put it underneath your pillow. Oh, and this works? Well, anybody I have have told them about it and have come back to me, they've always said, yes, thank you very much. Champagne cork under the pillow? Under the pillow. And uh, apparently that that works, you know. So I would imagine maybe they're having good, sweet dreams about the champagne. And that stops the snoring. Yeah, so Phil, you have to drink the bottle first, is it, to free the cork up? No, no, I hope not. I hope not. We'll not see you for probably about 24 hours. Yes, so if you get your hands on that, that is a little tip. What else? What else would you say to people, you know, to to try and uh, stop this noise at night for the poor victim of a person who has to sleep beside you? Well, well, sometimes you have, we have to realise that it is. It could be a medical condition. You yep. know, so probably they need help along, you know, from that side of it. But um, sometimes, like, rather than sleeping on your back, if you could maybe sleep on your side and sort of maybe uh, adjust the pillow to suit you, maybe punch it up a little bit and twist it around and, you know, make yourself really comfortable. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, that will sort of, um, you know, help to sort of ease the problem during the night. How important is room temperature? Because that's something you people seem to get right with because people enjoy thousands and thousands of great nights sleep with you. What's the ideal or what do you say to that? We have spent quite a bit uh, sort of um, 
sort of trying to accommodate people and um, Julie Hastings, one of our um, our marketing director, we've been involved in this for over 10 years now, trying to work out what is the best way to sort of, most people are coming in off a plane or they're traveling and all the rest. So they need to wind down and um, we have discovered over the years, room temperature is very important. And... Um, so that and also the duvet, the weight of the duvet and things like that when they are retiring for the night. But um, we we are we're very famous for our beds as well. Right. So um, all that there helps, you know, with it. But we have to remember that we would have different nationalities and the other side of the world, the Asian market, where they like the room temperature around thirty-two degrees. Really? We recommend, yes, they like it very, very warm. Where we recommend around about 19 or 20. That's the ideal. That is around the ideal temperature, you know, at night for going to bed. For people from this neck of the woods, from Western Europe. So that's us. My God, that's a real challenge I never thought about. Yeah, that's a big challenge, isn't it? The different nationalities. Get it right. Yes, what they're used to as well. Mm -hmm. Tell me about these um, mattresses that you have, that you love, that you're famous for. Yes, we have absolutely pillow-top mattresses. And our beds, we have got a lovely name for them. They're called Cloud Beds. Right. And uh, they are made by uh, King Coyle, actually down the road from you there in Kildare. So um, they have um, that little bit extra on top of your mattress. And then that gives you a better, firmer night's sleep. Okay. And also the fact is nowadays people don't have to turn their mattresses or anything like that there. All you have to do now is just spin your bed round so that you're sort of even it out, that you're not always sort of sleeping on the one side. Right. So that's another tip as well. Um, uh, The obvious things that come to my mind as well, light people, obviously, to darken the room. And this thing, you must see this more and more, asking people maybe to switch off from their phones and all the stuff that's coming at us 24-7. But you have to. Mm. It comes the stage that you, you mean, you've got the room temperature right, you've got your really comfortable bed and pillows and all the rest, and you have to sort of unwind before you go to bed. It's very important. You have to think, right, get yourself organised for the next day and no more coffee a couple of hours beforehand and leave that iPad over on the dressing table and put your phone away from your bed and then a lot of people use it like an imaginary list and they write down the things that have annoyed them during the day, and then that's it out of your mind, and that hopefully will sort of put you over. Get the clutter out of there, write it down. The other thing that probably goes without saying, a lovely long warm bath, a nice warm drink, all that type of stuff, Phil, good. Alcohol's not good for you. No, oh no, no, get the cork, leave the champagne, go on. Coffee or... Yeah, a coffee, anything like that there. Just leave it, you know. Have it with your dinner and then you're probably going to do a little bit more work. And then most people sort of retire around about half ten, you know, at night or so, around that. And uh, give yourself a little time, sort of either go for a little walk and then sort of um, get yourself organised for the night. But it's definitely very important that I think people have to learn to switch off, you know. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a huge, huge Absolutely, thing. Yeah. It really is. And I, and I know it's very hard, but if you do a little bit every night, you mm. know, and, you know, start sort of working it down and don't go sort of 
all at once. You have to do it in stages. Yes, yes. Anyway, this week's survey caught our attention. Wanted to have a word with you today. I know we're going to meet you in person down the road. Thank you for taking our call this afternoon, Phil. All right, thank you, Jerry. God bless you. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Phil McCartan there uh, joining us uh, from uh, Belfast Hastings Hotels this afternoon. Louise, do you sleep soundly? I sleep soundly, but the others don't. Oh. I'm not a woman that goes, me snore? Never. (laughs) I do snore. And I actually wake myself up sometimes. You know when you kind of go, what happened just there? Well, I have to tell you, it's the one thing that drives me mad. I just can't sleep uh, if I'm caught with somebody snoring. And I do snore. I, I say to people, I don't snore. But sure, you know, the west of Ireland, when we go fishing, sure, we're in the caravan there and it can get mm-hmm. noisy at night. You know what the trick is? Get to sleep first. The first to get to sleep, you're away. What but if, if you wake in the middle of the night? Well, you have an issue then, of course, but you hope that you don't. Fingers crossed. Get asleep. I wear e- earplugs as well. All the time. I actually got one of those sprays for the back of your throat that's did meant you? to stop snoring. And did you use it? Yeah, didn't work. Ah, oh, well, there you go. That's gone. Earplugs are good. If you can get the earplugs in and get asleep quickly, you beat the others. And then they have to endure it for the night. But there's nothing worse, is there, than somebody snoring beside you. You see every hour on the <laughs> clock. It's very hard to get asleep once you're... You're conscious of it. Yeah, well, that's true. It's it a devil. It's a devil. Somebody was telling me recently they uh, went uh, to a campsite and the husband actually was that bad. They had to go and buy a tent and make him camp in another part <laughs> of the campsite. I love that. Yes, yes. I love that's that. That's a fact. Very funny. He had to go sleeping in another part of the campsite while the rest stayed uh, in, in their camper. Isn't that something else? It uh, really is. It's a shocking thing. It really is a shocking I thing. I know somebody who used to know it was time, like seven o'clock, Every single morning because their partner started snoring at that stage. Must have been kind of into a deep yes. sleep or coming out of a deep sleep or something. Mm. But religiously, they could set their clock by him. And it would start then. Mm. Well, that's not so bad. Seven in the morning. At least you've had the, the, the bunk, sleep, the bunk yeah. of the night under your wing. Do you know what I mean? If it's the other way, it's a course. It really is. Oh, my God. And then you're so tired the next day. You become overtired and then you, you can't sleep. It's a shocker. It really is. And definitely, if you're overweight, overweight doesn't help you with snoring either. Lie on your side, yeah. That's a great tip from the leg. Get over on your side. Oh, yeah. Lying lying on your back, you'll snore like a grandpa pig. Uh, Someone just WhatsApped here as well. And they just said, heard about the cork in the bed, but it was to prevent cramps in the legs. But there is a ring you can buy to prevent snoring, and it's very effective. A ring? A ring. Tell us more about that, whoever you are. Have you any tips on helping somebody who is snoring to stop snoring? For somebody who's with somebody who snores to help them get a good night's sleep? If you can help us at all, if something's worked for you, let us know. We love to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. I want to say a big happy birthday to two men in Wogan's Dunlear, Vincent Sharkey and Martin Moyna. They're celebrating birthdays. Yes, they are celebrating birthdays today. We have a song for them, haven't we, Louise? What have we got? Who's going to sing happy birthday to them? Leslie Dowdy's going to sing. (laughs) Wonderful things, Yazar. The both is in Wogan's. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. The 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. Now, my next guest on Late Lunch today is a fine young man. I met him a couple of years ago at the Dulique People of the Year Awards, where he picked up an award in sport. 
Keen Barry is on top of the world today because he's qualified for the World Darts Championship, the PDC, which happens over the Christmas and New Year holiday at Ali Pali in London. And he's on the line with me this afternoon. Keen, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks very much, Barry. Well, tell our listeners, how did this happen? How have you qualified? What have you had to do? There was a qualifying event in uh, Tremor, it's called the Tom Kirby Memorial, and came through a really strong field of players to, to get to the final. And uh, the final was, play, was played in City West Saturday night, and I was 5-2 down in the final and clawed it back and uh, got over the line to win 6-5, which uh, qualified me for the PDC World Championships in December in, in Alexander Palace. Do you know something, Keen? I'm a massive fan of the darts. I just love it every year. And here you are, a young fella from Dulik, going to be on stage there this year. And we have one of our own to follow. I'm looking forward to it already. Reminder, listeners, how long are you playing darts? When did you take them up? At what age? I, I started playing when I was uh, four. Like, my father used to throw home the house the whole time and I just kind of just wrecked his head to throw. And it's kind of gone from then. And I started playing competitions when I was about eight and... I really, really started playing well and, and I, I was about I think it was 2015 when I started playing really well and it just it really kicked on since then and this year I've, I've been kind of I've had that few steps few gears up and uh, so I've been playing really well this year and all the kind of dedication and hard work has paid off What is that dedication and hard work? How much time do you put in practising every day? I, I do about an hour to an hour and a half uh, practice every day because some some people need to do maybe three four hours, but just just for me for me myself, like it's a, an hour an hour and a half is enough for me. And I play on a Friday night in the Dalekin district, the Dark League, and I play near, nearly every single weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be kind of constantly flying around Dark the whole time. This is what you want to do with your life. You want to become a professional at the highest level. Yes, definitely, definitely. I want to be able to put put it up to the big boys like uh, Van Garen and. Rob Cross and all them lads. Like I, I hope to in, in, a, in a few years be able to be playing the likes of them on a regular basis. What age are you today? Uh, 17. So you're only a whippersnapper, Keen, if you don't mind me saying. At 17 years of age, you've qualified for the World Championship Finals. It's simply outstanding. So in terms of looking ahead to that, and it's it'll come around very soon now because it starts, as I said, over the Christmas holidays. What's your plans between now and then? I think it's just put a little bit more practice in than normal. Like I'm going to keep the same preparation as I, as I always do before games, but just a little extra, extra maybe half an hour each day, just uh, for the extra practice and that, and start the uh, like more in, in intense practice and just just really get ready for the for for the World Championships. Like I'm going to be going to be going in as an underdog, and no one's going to really expect me to win. So I'm going to just enjoy my darts, and you never know when, when you when you're enjoying your darts, anything can happen really. What's the biggest challenge with darts? Do you feel the pressure when you know you're you're five two down as you said this weekend and you come back and win? Is it trying to hit those doubles and trebles all the time? Is it more in the mind darts than anything else, or is it the eye hand coordination? Darts is kind of more mind mind over anything else because like you either have it you have it talent wise or not, but it's just you can't let things get to your head or you can't kind of let the pressure like get to you too much. Like I, I wasn't. Like when I was up on stage and I was fighting down, I wasn't really under that much pressure. Like I just said, right, just keep plugging away and hopefully get, get, get me give me chances on me. And I took me chances when I had to. So you just kind of have to kind of n- never give up and n- never really let anything get to your head. We know the crowd in darts plays a huge part and they're raucous most of the time and they really get into it. Do you feel that as a player? 
Yeah, like I, I really, I actually really enjoyed on it because the, the crowd uh, uh, Saturday night got really behind me and were singing my name, and it was just kind of a every, everything I kind of dreamed of when I was young that like fans singing my name. It was, I was absolutely brilliant. It kind of gave me a goosebumps, so I kind of had to just put that aside and kind of f- finish the job. Really, but I was really, I was delighted. Now, like I kind of thrive on that, and it, it was really brilliant. It was a good moment. Are you done with school and college and that, or what are you up to with your life besides the darts? Yeah, I finished school, I think it was last year, I think, and I was doing the scaffolding with my father. So scaffolding, so you're you're not afraid of heights either, never mind the pressure on the hockey with darts. Yeah, yeah, like you just, uh, at, the, at the start I was a, t- a small bit now, but you just, you kind of get used to it, and uh, it's just like, it, it's good, it's good to be at work and uh, kind of take, taking your mind off darts, because it's um, darts for now. It's not, it's not full time yet, but hopefully in, in in a few months' time it'll be full time. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to be doing a bit of work as well. Your dad, Niall, and your mum, Vivian, they've really backed you all the way with this. Yeah, definitely. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be playing in the world world championships now. Like the the things they've kind of they've done to, to get me here is amazing, and I can only really thank them for it. You're taking a break now for a week or so, and even though you're on holidays, will you continue to practice? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'll just do me me normal hour day this week, and then starting next week, I'm going to uh, England next Tuesday. So, uh, kind of from then on, it'll be kind of the start of kind of the, the build up to um, build up to Ali Pali. Keen, who are your heroes when it comes to darts? You started at four years of age, so you've watched a lot of the greats over the years. If you were to pick one, Phil Taylor, definitely. Like I always looked up to Phil Taylor when I, when I was uh, even when I was a young lad thrown in the house, and I used to just watch. Watched Darth the whole time and watched he was just absolutely dominated and he won everything. And uh, yeah, just really, really look up to Phil Taylor. He's, he's a class act. Well, you're a class act, may I say, too. At 17 years of age, qualifying for the PDC Darts World Championships in Ali Pali come December, January. I wish you well with the build up to that. And when you go there as well, I'm sure you're going to acquit yourself with distinction. Kean, enjoy the break. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks very much. What a fantastic young man that fellow is. And I can't wait for the world dart now. He's just unbelievable. And what a victory for him at the weekend. And we do wish him well. And we'll be following his fortunes now uh, between this and Christmas and the new year. The World Championships happening, of course, in Ali Pali. And I just want to mention another young lad I met a couple of years ago at the Relique People of the Year Awards, Aaron Clifford. He's a motorcycle track rider who was involved in a serious accident uh, a couple of months ago in the UK. And glad to report today that Aaron is on the road to recovery and we wish him well and we think about him this afternoon on Late Lunch. Louise, we just have to smile because aren't our listeners something else? We were talking about snoring uh, before too and of course Louise doesn't snore and I don't snore. Yeah. (laughs) But somebody has just WhatsApped us in their partner snoring. Can I have, can we have a listen? Hang on. <laughs> stop, stop. It brings back nightmares to me. <laughs> I think there's something very soothing about that. What? And you not think there's something very soothing about that? Look at the alarm bells ringing in my <laughs> eyes. Look at the hours of sleep I've lost. Look at the nudging I've done over the years. Look at the getting up in the middle of the night I've had I've, to do. Will I've you stop? Worse. Will you stop? I've heard worse snores. 
Anyway, it set us thinking here. Thank you, whoever you are, for sending that in to us. We appreciate it. Will you, will you record, <laughs> record your partner, whoever snoring beside you? Will you do this for us? Come on, <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> Record your partner snoring and WhatsApp them into us. WhatsApp them in. You're we won't say their names. We won't say who you are or who they are. I promise you, we do know who that other person is, but we're not saying. Uh, we <sighs> promise you complete confidentiality, except the winner. <laughs> I have a little prize. I have a lovely little prize here for the for the winner. Will you do it? Come on, record your partner. If you have your partner recorded snoring, send it in to us. WhatsApp it to us over the next few days. And we'll come back to this as the week goes on. Oh, what about on. family members? Are they allowed? You know, like son, daughter, brother, sister? Anybody. Okay. Anybody. If you have issue with anybody snoring, record it. Send it in to us. We'll start Poland. We'll have a league table and we'll have it up. Who's the worst? But we won't name you. We promise you we won't name you. We won't out you on this <laughs> one. But we'll have a... We'd have a voucher. I have a lovely voucher for the winner, I promise you, with this one. Get the snoring to us. WhatsApp to uh, LMFM. And the tips to stop. And if you have any tips to stop uh, people snoring as well. Uh, not moving to another room at the other end of the house, but if you have anything else, we would appreciate it. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Up next on the show. I love her to bits. She's number one in my book. It's Doreen Allen. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. The 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. She's the Diane of cookery in my book and this book is number 19. I just have to mention these words. Ballymaloo Cookery School and I'm delighted to say she's on the line with me on Late Lunch and I'm so excited. Tarina <laughs> Allen, good afternoon. There you are. Well, Nigeria, it's great to have a fan. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, listen, Doreena, let me say this to you. You have so many fans, the length and breadth of this country. Don't be joking me. Well, may I say, first off, book number 19, congratulations. And I just want to read a little quote from it. In the dedication, Doreena, you say, for all the heroic young couples who are trying to keep all the balls in the air, is that really the reason, the atra of this book? Do you know, it's totally the reason for this book. And I, I actually... I'm, I, I kept wondering how, why it taken me so long uh, to write this book because it's kind of been bubbling away in my subconscious for conscious for years because we've been doing uh, here now for the last few years we've been doing here at the Bamia Cookie School we've been doing a, a course called One Pot Wonders a day long course and with all the sort of things you can cook in one pot or one roasting tin or one baking tray or something and it's always absolutely packed and of course I realise that as everybody gets busier and busier and busier and trying to, you know, dash home to the traffic in the evening, you know, pick up the kids perhaps from the crèche or something, then run into the supermarket and grab a few ingredients and then coming home trying to put some good food on the table. And everybody wants to do that, but my goodness, how difficult it is, as I said there, uh, to keep all the balls in the air. So that's why I wanted to uh, dedicate this book to really all the heroic people who are trying not they're not necessarily always very young who are trying to do everything and be all things so i hope that this book uh, called one pot feeds all uh, will actually be part of the solution because there's loads of lovely simple recipes in it as well or things that you could even cook in a slow cooker um, as well so i hope it'll be part of the solution for some people at any rate you mentioned pots and pans and casserole dishes etc but you've touched on something there is it a good idea to buy a slow cooker 
Well, you know, I think slow cookers are great, actually. In fact, I, in this book, I just, I'm using pots and things, but I think the slow cookers are brilliant. And, you know, uh, you can get a, a lovely stew go, uh, going on, put it on in the morning and let it bubble away. And uh, it's ready when you come home in the evening and you come into the house and, of course, the whole place smells of a delicious supper. I think they're brilliant. I, some people are a bit sniffy about them, but I just think they're terrific, actually. But anyway, if you had one big, nice big casserole and then a good roasting tin and a baking tray, you can do virtually every dish in this book, you know. And uh, so uh, a lot of them then are made with ingredients that you'd have. Now, you see, the busier one is nowadays, and everybody is crazy busy, but the busier one is, the more important it is to stock up your store cupboard with, you know, some stuff that if you come home uh, tired, you know, cans of, you know, all those different kinds of beans and, uh, you know, even tuna, sardines, you know, uh, uh, cheese, of course, etc., salami. Uh, But, um, yeah, a lot of these things now you can do with ingredients you have easily. But then I'm encouraging people to, you know, use more spices, smoked paprika, fish sauce, you know, uh, lots of things that they mightn't have normally, because they're marvelous flavor enhancers, all those things. And uh, so we have some things that are uh, very familiar and traditional, other Asian dishes, Indian dishes, etc., etc. People are getting more and more adventurous, but this is all about helping you to get a lovely, delicious, nourishing, wholesome food on the table. Um, uh, you know, without too much bother when you're when you're tired. Yeah, absolutely, and you cover the gambit of foods as well: sweet things, rice and grains, vegetables, fish and seafood, meat, chicken, and eggs. But what do you say about an egg? A power pack of nutrition, Darina, in a shell. But it totally is. I mean, definitely, if you have eggs, I'm always encouraging people, of course, to get a few hens themselves as well. Yes. Uh, out in a little coop and out on the lawn. Uh, but basically, uh, my goodness, an egg has so many. If you know, funny thing, if you have a couple of eggs for your supper, two or even a man, maybe even three eggs, you know, you're full. It's a, because it's such a, a powerhouse of nutrition. And there, I mean, and how about how versatile it is? You can do a million different things with it, from, you know, uh, an omelette. There's that. I don't know if whether you have the book there in front of you but there's that lovely the fluffy Danish omelette it's on page 18 yes. that's enough to feed four ravenous people or and it's made in a very short time with a little bit of um, bacon and chives chopped over the top of it all fluffy and uh, that would feed four ravenous people or six not so ravenous people uh, so you know and, uh, uh, and and again hugely good for you you know you'd be a little salad and you're sorted or else there's Baked eggs, there's baked eggs there with smoked mackerel and dill or with cheese or paprika oil or whatever you want. And uh, then the shachuka, that Middle Eastern breakfast or supper dish. Yes, look at all those lovely things that you could make in a few minutes and really um, you know, make, create a whole supper for, for people in the evening or indeed a lunch either. Or that one actually, a breakfast, the shachuka, the mm. brunch. I mm. actually picked up a smoked mackerel in a vodka at the weekend and I'm going to do that dish in the book with the eggs. So I'm all set for that You're now. Arena. I'm all ready to go. <laughs> the, the other you're... thing that brings back memories to me in, in the book, you know, people talk about, you know, buying the best cuts of meat, you know, yes. beef and pork, etc. But I, I want to pick out one. The lamb shank masala. My, my late mother was a dab hand. We had lamb shanks most weeks through the autumn, winter and into the spring. Yeah, well, lamb shank is just brilliant because there's so much meat on it. And the other thing, by the way, that's fantastic are ham hocks. Uh, or, you know, either yeah. pork hocks or ham hocks. There's so much meat on them. They're not very expensive. And, of course, you can make a great big... You can cook them slowly. That's the other thing. This is where your slow cooker now will come in again. Cook them slowly until the meat is falling off the bone. 
and you can you know you can do, add all kinds of flavors to it all kinds of spices if you want to or if you don't want like spicy food you can just add in lots of vegetables around it and so on and and some potatoes and then you have the whole meal in the dish so that particular masala lamb shanks there that's got lots of lovely spices in it and then you serve that with a dollop of of uh, thick yogurt with some fresh mint in it how lovely would that be mm. oh gorgeous yeah and you know i could stop at many of the others but i want to flit on to the sweet things and it is uh, in season they are in season at the moment of course there are irish wonderful apples everywhere the tray oh, yeah. of roast oh, yeah. apples darina oh i know we've forgotten about baked or roast apples and how delicious they are just in a roasting tin and even the simplest ones just with the uh, sugar and a, and a take out the core fill the center with sugar and some uh, then put a blob of butter on top uh, even that without and you can do all sorts of fancy things put fruit uh, dried fruit and all kinds of different flavors in them but even the basic roast apple with then you have to have lots of softly whipped cream and soft brown sugar with it but uh, so i mean i just love them and if you have this is the season for the apples of course the bramley apples and so on then actually i don't know whether you've seen that lovely apple and blackberry tray bake yes. with sweet geranium sugar on page 188 i cooked that actually in evoca the other night uh, and uh, people absolutely loved it. So, but the whole thing here is, you see, when I say one pot, in other words, you know, the be- almost the best one pot dish of all, although it's not in this book, says me, is an Irish stew because you have the lamb and you have the onions and the carrots and then you have the potatoes all over the top of it. So you have the whole meal in one dish. Now, all the rest of the dishes here are the same, but sometimes I add pearl barley to it. I add rice. I add cannellini beans to it. I add frica, you know, all sorts of different things. So you have the whole meal and all you need is a little green salad with it and you have your 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 protein your carbohydrates all of the different things and you'd be you know it's just comforting and filling and delicious and there's lots of um there are lots of fish dishes too yes. that monkfish one um the carolyn fish curry with the rice in it that's of course delicious and then there's that roast fish you know where, where you take full um, the fillets of, well in that case in that recipe there it's roast salmon but basically it could be any one of the round fish like haddock or hake or cod or something and then just pop that into the oven, you could just put, literally put butter and dill over it and I have given four or five different uh, flavours that you could add there, teriyaki sauce or just tomatoes and dill or whatever and that's like cooked in like 8 or 10 minutes it's, that's a super delicious recipe and very very fast I can't wait to get home. I just can't stand this anymore. <laughs> I've uh, uh, you into the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. you have certainly, for sure. The other thing I want to mention in the context of uh, the one uh, pot feeds all is that we must remember, reheated a lot of these dishes are fabulous the next day if you have them over and they're ideal for freezing. They, they totally are uh, a, a lot of things absolutely and that's not an inconsiderate uh, that's an important consideration nowadays again when people are so busy but if you are making uh, some of these stews and so on uh, then you know make if you have the time make twice or three times as much and then freeze it but freeze it in small quantities in small little tubs so that if you uh, you know if you need it in a hurry you'll be able to defrost it quickly um, but the yeah so that, that that's uh, something 
thing and a great help as well when people are so busy. But in, um, I, you know, I was brought up with a mother, I'm the eldest of nine, and mummy loved to cook. And But she, the strong message always was, if you don't put the time and the effort into the food on the table, you'll spend it buying medicines on, and, and uh, supplements and things. You know, she used to say, give it to the doctor or the chemist. So I knew that our food... It is our food that should be our medicine, not all the extra things. And it can be if we eat just real food, not edible food-like substances. But it takes time and everybody's trying to do everything. I I was listening to a discussion on another radio station recently about food and, you know, this uh, issue you're dealing with here, the pressure that people are under. And there was a sort of a consensus that, um, you know, with the takeaway culture we have now, Doreen, that cooking would become a a hobby uh, only to be done at the weekends. I was horrified. Please dispel that, will you? I'm on a mission to get practical cooking uh, re-embedded in the curriculum and so it's taught to every boy and girl up and down the country and uh, basically so they can't leave school without being able to cook and it should be uh, it should be a primary subject not just an option I mean the, all the emphasis now is on the STEM subjects and that very important you can't eat a maths book basically and we have to eat every single day and what happens is the more de-skilled we become uh, the more dependent we are on other people to buy our, you know, we have to buy our food from where we get our petrol or, you know, uh, we have something delivered around and it costs so much more. It's rarely as nourishing uh, and delicious. And we can see that we're in a total crisis as far as the health service is concerned. And certainly um, we need to, re- re- to re-educate people on the connection between the quality of the food we eat and how, they f- how we feel. And all that, of course, work that's been done now where we know that they, uh, the health of our gut biome, um, our tummy um, and so on, it, it affects not just our physical health but our mental health. So all the research is there, and, but everybody's so busy that it's hard to do everything. But uh, definitely it needs to be... Uh, if we can at all, it needs to be much more of a priority for everybody. And it's not that easy. Absolutely. I'm with you all the way there on the <laughs> education front and everything else besides. The name of the book is One Pot Feeds All. Darina Allen, get it, use it, put it into action. And I promise you, you'll eat well forevermore. Amen. <laughs> Darina Allen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. The 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. Now, my next guest is an executive coach who works across a wide range of industries, for example, technology, financial services, legal government and cybersecurity. Mary Carroll deals primarily in emotional intelligence around people and executive coaching, as I mentioned. And she has big Navin connections, which she's going to tell us about first. Mary, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Not at all. Tell us about the Navin link. Well, my dad, my grandmother, I should say, is actually from Navin. So I've lots of family down here, lots of cousins, mostly second cousins. And uh, actually, Louise, who works here, is my second cousin. Oh, there you are. <laughs> big, big, big links with Navin and <laughs> LMFM Radio. Well, you're very welcome to the show. Thank Tell you. Tell us a bit about you and, and, and your career. A synopsis. Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose my career began academically very different. I've studied, I did a BA in philosophy. Um, I did a master's in psychoanalysis, which is psychotherapy. Um, and I did a postgrad in law. 
and I did my professional exams to train as a solicitor and then made a very unusual decision and decided I didn't like it. So um, I then started to work in digital marketing. So very different than my academic career. I got an opportunity in Microsoft and I've been working in the kind of multinational field within digital marketing online sales for 10 years um, with Microsoft, Yahoo and Symantec. So you have a lot of experience with big hitters. Just before we talk about what you actually do now, digital marketing, of course, this still is something that perplexes an awful lot of business owners, small, medium, large. How do we, you know, capitalise on this? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess... (laughs) The world that I was working in was with big companies. So you were looking at how can you distribute your product to a customer um, through online. So that could be, uh, so in my case, when I was working, for example, with Symantec, which is cybersecurity in Norton, you might bundle the product, for example, with another technology company. So partner with them. And when the person was going to download, they would be prompted with a Norton advertisement and they might get it that way. But for for generally speaking, I think um, people pay attention for the small business. It's really with Google AdWords, making sure that their website looks really good. You're going to get lots of SEO traffic um, and spending time on it, you know, really making sure that the content is really good. Um, but my world, I suppose, for the last 10 years, it, it, it definitely started out there. I was in Bing and I was managing agencies who would deal directly with companies who were just trying to get as much um views if you like yes. as as possible but then it moved more into working with huge companies and trying to redistribute their product to customers which is slightly yeah. different. Oh, it is. It's, a, it's a different field yeah. entirely yeah. but for the, the smaller one it's still that having a, a, an attractive website that's timely up to date and hitting the spot with the potential customers in a nutshell. In a nutshell absolutely that hits it. Yeah. Now People and executive coaching. This yeah. is the space that that you're in today. Mm-hmm. You you deal in an area. Emotional intelligence is what you would put two words on it as well. What what do you mean by emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence. Um, it's broken up into five composites, right? So it's the. Um, Self-perception, how we actually perceive ourselves. So that's our confidence and um, why we do what we do, following meaningful goals. Um, Self-expression, how we actually express ourselves. Are we able to really be assertive? That means, you know, say what we mean, but not offend people. But yet do it, not be passive, if that makes sense. Interpersonal skills where how you actually connect with people, build relationships. Decision making also is a big part of it. How we make decisions, how we problem solve. Um, and then managing stress, you know, so how do we actually, when we're under a lot of pressure, how can we deal with that and still perform? Um, emotional intelligence now is seen as a key skill for any leader within an organisation. And it's really about them paying attention to these five composites and making sure that they're working on themselves to be able to perform the best they can within a business. Now, you mentioned leaders or managers, but surely a lot of the areas you cover, five or six there, we should be interested in developing ourselves. Absolutely. You know, as soon as we take up a position within a company. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So what I would say is this is considered leadership training, but you're right. It's for everybody. 
emotional intelligence, those five composites apply to anybody. And certainly when I go into organisations, I'm working with individuals around confidence, assertiveness. They're getting ready, not just for management and leadership roles, but they're getting ready for the next step in their career. So they're just paying attention and developing themselves to try and increase or better their, um, I would say, professional calibre. Yes. You know. And, and positions them potentially for the move up the ladder. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you come across many people in managerial positions that lack this emotional intelligence or aspects of it? Um, yeah, you do, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely do, if I'm honest. Um, a lot of the times, you know, people have gone through their careers and they've done really well at the hard skills. They're great on Excel. They're great on numbers. They're great on that sort of thing. And they're getting promotion after promotion. And suddenly then they're managing a team. And it's like, okay, how did that happen? You know, and they've paid attention to lots of, and they're very talented people, but they haven't paid attention to the skills that are going to probably get them to the next level, which is all about how we lead. And that's about, so um, EQI feeds into being authentic, being innovative, insight, um, coaching skills. And these are so important. They form a framework for leadership. So you should be paying attention to this stuff. You're quite right all the time developing yourself. But you do get to a point in your career where you see with some leaders, essentially, they've ended up in roles and they haven't paid attention to it. And there is a little bit of a gap in terms of where they need to develop themselves. And then there's problems, obviously, when you're in charge of a team and you don't know how to be in Mm -hmm. charge of a team or how to lead or motivate, inspire, manage people. That can be a potential crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so much of this feeds into creating a culture within an organisation, you know, and it comes from the top down. So if you've got somebody who may not even be just managing a team, maybe managing an organisation and hasn't paid attention to this, these key skill sets, well, then it's going to lead to lots of issues. You know, if if you can't lead people, it's just going to fall all the way down and you're not getting a good management style through the company, which is going to lead to people. Fundamentally, people are going to leave. They're not going to enjoy working there, which is going to mean going to cost the company a lot of money and you might be losing a lot of talent, you know. So it can lead to so many issues. And that's why I guess companies are really paying attention. They're bringing in people like myself who can do the leadership piece with executive coaching to make sure there's lots of insights there for people at the top to pick and choose what they really want to develop about themselves, what's going to impact their performance and therefore the business, you know. We hear a lot about coaching and you're an executive coach as well and we hear about mentoring. What's the difference? There's a big difference and um, that's a great question. So um, so I trained in executive coaching with Smurfit and I will be completely honest, when I went in to do the course, I, I don't think I fully understood what coaching is. So a lot of people use coaching in lots of different contexts and one of the biggest um, confusions, I guess, is mixing up coaching with mentoring. Mentoring is all about you really being able to tell somebody and give advice to somebody about what they should do. Whereas coaching is the opposite of that. You're really there to facilitate learning and development with a view to increasing that person's performance and help them to achieve their goals. But it means as a coach, I don't have to have been a solicitor to coach somebody who is a solicitor. 
you know, whereas a mentor will absolutely have probably been a solicitor or at least worked in the legal field. You know, an executive coach goes in to facilitate learning, which is really about deeply listening and understanding that person's point of view. And the real skill comes in with asking good questions that help that person to become aware of the best possible path forward for them. You know. Is it difficult to go in and teach an old dog new tricks? Because I'm sure this is part and parcel of what you do as well. You know, we're not all young and upcoming rising stars. You're, you obviously go and I'm into organisations where people who've been operating in a manner for a long time. Yeah. Is it more difficult? Um, again, it's a good question. It really just depends on the individual. Mm. If they're there and they're open then no, this is just about learning new skills. But certainly if somebody's been very successful in their career and they've operated in a, in a certain way, um, yeah, then maybe it, it's hard for them to shift their way of thinking and their way of, of, of operating. But but once they they become open to it, they will see changes. And they often people start out one way and they come out and they're like, oh, I wish this had been introduced to me much earlier on in my career, you know. So um, usually it comes, you come away with a positive feeling for that person as well. Which is better, hands-on micromanagement or the laissez-faire, somebody who sort of lets things happen and lets people away to their own devices? Or is there somewhere in between where it should be? I think it depends. I can't say that micromanaging is, is not a good thing, right? Um in in some jobs it's required you know you need to micromanage people and actually some people like to be micromanaged believe it or not you know no, no I do know that you're absolutely yeah, 100% yeah. right and they can't function unless they're micromanaged exactly they like to be told every single step and everything that they need to do um, but what I would say is generally speaking you um, if you're creating um, a culture where people feel empowered to make decisions and they have to go out and solve problems themselves that leads to um a stronger individual and therefore if you've got lots of stronger individuals you've got a stronger team so in the long run while there's definitely a place for micromanagement I think empowering people to make decisions and stepping back a little bit usually you see very positive results from that You're not getting the best I hear what you're saying to me from people if you're not you know working with them to develop them and meet their needs is that basically it in a nutshell? Yes that, I, I would say yes, exactly. You have to really try to, um, you're giving somebody the tool to develop themselves. They're taking ownership. So if you bring in somebody in, for example, to do pure executive coaching, you know, which is often seen um, by HR as a way to support the workforce, but they are still, it's up to that individual to to take control and decide, okay, this is what I need to focus on to become stronger and to be more successful within the organisation. So HR are supplying what they need to develop themselves, but the onus is still on the individual to develop themselves, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, I hear what you're saying. want to take a short break. Mary is staying with us on late lunch this afternoon. Very interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people out in the workplace today can, uh, a lot of of what Mary's saying is resonating with you. We'll be back to talk more about executive coaching in a moment. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. She's an executive coach. Mary Carroll is with me on Late Lunch this afternoon. 
True or false, not everyone is cut out to be a people manager. I would say absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, You know, I mentioned it earlier on, some people rise up the ranks for whatever reason and they're given promotion after promotion and they end up managing people. And actually, fundamentally, they don't actually enjoy it. It just goes with the role they've been promoted to and they are not, they haven't been trained in it. And also maybe it's just not meant for them. You know, they don't enjoy people management. There are times people who fill managerial roles who have a fear of talent. You know what I'm getting at? Or a fear of developing others. You know, a selfish sort of protection of position. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I personally haven't encountered that. But it would, it would definitely, you know, you're assuming you're bringing up people who you're developing who could possibly then take your <laughs> role. You or, some, yeah, or go above you, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I definitely would say that plays into some people's psyche when they're, when they're you know, bringing up their team and they're seeing actually you're a real competition for me. But really, a good manager, I would say, should be seeing this as part of their job. So if they're doing a good job, they're developing their people. You know, so it should be just seen as as part of what should happen. Yes, you know, and and you know, of course, with the world of today, people move. You've moved a good bit yourself, Mary. It may not be with you. It may be a challenge somewhere else that somebody wants to take on. But we should be looking at the bigger picture, shouldn't we? In, in yeah. developing talent and talent in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I think in a lot of companies, um, when they bring in executive coaches, one of the things is that it the person you're coaching may come to the conclusion that actually this is not suitable for me, the role or where my my career is going within the company. It's not the path I want to take. So there is always a risk to the business that they might lose somebody. You know, there is that kind of risk there. But when you talk to companies who really, really believe in developing their people, they don't look on that as a bad thing. I mean, obviously, if it was happening all the time, there'd be an issue. But, um, you know, they look on that as, as, you know what, that person then wasn't going to give the company what it needed and they need to do what's best for them as well. So, you know, I think companies that really see the benefits in developing people are willing to take that risk and they really want to just be there for their for their um, staff and support them, even if that means they decide that, you know, maybe it isn't for them. Do you know when you go in and work your magic and uh, <laughs> somebody engages with you and they yeah. make changes and they see where their shortcomings has been yeah. and they work to make change and implement those changes with a team. Yeah. I'm curious, do you ever talk to the team members, you know, to get some feedback to say, oh my word, there's a change here. Do you ever hear that? I get that feedback. Do you know, if, if I'm honest, I, I hear about it before the change. I yeah, normally come yeah. in when, when the issue, but yes. that's, that's the most rewarding piece when you get feedback afterwards, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of the times when I come in, you have, you will see a 360. So the business above, below, sideways will have given feedback on the individual. And um, you, you'll, you'll get all the shall I say the negative stuff maybe before the coaching but no I don't hear about the good stuff as when much it, when the wheel turns yeah, and, and they're I, happy so then you kind of yeah. step back and, and the business goes on Is there anything more fundamental to a business than a, a content now I know it can't always be content when yeah. it's a there's always issues and that's part and parcel of life ding dong happens but yeah. isn't it really the, the answer that a successful business is populated by people who feel loyal to the place, who feel fulfilled by what they do, 
feel that they have an opportunity to mm-hmm. develop themselves and advance? I I think you're dead right. Basically, I think people oversimplify or, um, you know, it's seen as a bit fuzzy. Mm. Oh, people who are happy in a workplace. Oh, great. What does that mean? Actually, there's loads of research, first of all, to show happy people are more productive and more effective. So it will affect your bottom line and it's in your interest. Also, people who are happy will want to work for your company. So you're not losing good people, losing talent and having to pay to retrain people, you know. So there's so many benefits in really paying attention to your workforce and your business after all it's made up of people you need to develop your people or what does that mean for the business in the long run you know let's leave them with that thought how do people contact you Mary Carol if they want to find out more about what you do sure yeah um, they can call me uh, my mobile number is 086 1778 or they can email me on info at idetermine.ie Thank you for joining me on the show today and giving us an insight into how it should be. Thanks a million. (laughs) Lovely to meet you on the show, Mary. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Let's head towards news and sport at three in the company of Ariana Grande. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. No deposit and low APR same-day finance approval available. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. Would you like to win a car for Christmas? Scotch Hall Shopping Centre Drawhood in association with LMFM and Reynolds Fiat are giving away a stunning Fiat 500 valued at €18,000. Every time you spend €50 Euro across any of Scotch Hall's 50-plus shops, you'll have the opportunity to enter the car draw. Just pop your entry into the draw drum located in Scotch Hall and stay tuned to LMFM to see if you're one of the lucky finalists. Every week from now until Christmas, LMFM will announce a weekly winner and this week's winner is Margaret McEntee from Tara County Meath. Congratulations, Margaret. You've won a €100 Scotch Hall gift card plus entry into the grand finale card draw, which takes place on Sunday, December 22nd. Now, you heard there in sports news, the Louth... Finals, minor and senior, have been rescheduled for next Sunday at the Gaelic Grounds in Drogheda. We spoke about it at the top of the show. And joining me now on the line is the financial controller of Louth County Board, Aidan Beryl. Good afternoon, Aidan. Good afternoon, Terry. Thanks for taking my call. Aidan, for our listeners today, will you just clarify again for us, officially, why was the game called off? Yeah, well, it's a very big disappointment to everybody, particularly the clubs and the teams and the players involved for yesterday. Uh, to be called off at such a late hour. But unfortunately, we carried out an inspection yesterday morning about 11 o'clock. And uh, because of the deluge of rain between 6.30 and then yesterday, um, the pitch was deemed basically about 75% playable and the surrounds were saturated. And our event controller, uh, in conjunction with ourselves and the county board, deemed this uh, in a dangerous condition. So in the interest of health and safety of our patrons particularly, and indeed the players as well, we decided that uh, the best option, the best uh, course of action yesterday was to postpone both matches. Now you know the reaction since, and we've had people contacting us today say to say they were so disappointed and the afternoon was lovely and they had plans to go to the final and it upset the apple cart. Well, absolutely, and I, I sympathise with those people, but... Um, I know a lot of people, like I'm, a, I'm an Dave Martin player myself. Uh, you wear, you wear a good one. <laughs> but I have a son playing with Nate Martin as well, and we had all lined up to, to celebrate or commiserate with our, our, our players this weekend. But 
Unfortunately, as I said, we uh, we have a good eye on conditions as they were last week. Uh, coming up towards the weekend, things were looking very good. In fact, Thursday wasn't bad. Friday was excellent. And indeed, it, it, it allowed Benny Markey to get the, the Gaelic Grands mode on Friday. Started with a pitch of a day and we thought we were all systems go. But unfortunately, yesterday morning, there was a deluge, as we all know. And um, that, that's, that's what we had to do. We had to follow the course of action in the interest of health and safety. Um, people are saying that we probably could have had a plan B in place, but on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday of last week, a plan B didn't look necessary. Yeah. And to hold the crowd of, the, of that, that, that magnitude, uh, we haven't really anywhere else in, in, in County allowed to do that at this moment in time, Jerry, as you know. Um, the ground itself, uh, the bank as it's known, and it's been there for more years than we care to remember. I was there in short pants many moons ago. I know you're moving on and you have a different plan in the north of the county, but would it not even make some sense to maybe scrape that surface and gravel it or something or have some medium there that people could stand on more safely? Well, I suppose, you know, at this point in time, looking at yesterday, that would have been would have been ideal if we could do that, but... Um, we've tried over a number of years, county boards before before I came became involved to get something done with the draw had a grant. But as we know now, we've moved on. We've moved on to a different project in Dundalk, uh, where we build the state of the art stadium. And if it was ever any any, any indication that we needed a new grant, it was certainly yesterday because that's the third year in a row we've had an event uh, organised with our county board. We have had two national league matches called off over the last couple of years, and then. Uh, first time I think, but I can remember anyway. Senior final has to be, had to be called off. We were very disappointed in the County Board yesterday because we had a lot of things in place, a lot of effort that's gone into stage or Premier Club competition. We've had our intermediate junior finals and hurling finals on, on, on very good days, and yesterday there was our Premier Club competition for both the minors and, and seniors, and we put a lot of work into it. I suppose the organisation of this has gone on for the past two and a half weeks with the County Committee, with PRO getting programmes ready with uh, Rahi's getting the ground ready. And indeed, yesterday at 11 o'clock, we had all our uh, gate men with all of the PA set up. We had our vendors in place. Uh, Rahi's had their stewards in place. But look, these things happen. Unfortunately, it, it was a huge disappointment to us as well. And you believe you've made the right decision. We leave it there, Aidan, and good luck with next week. The weather, I've been just looking ahead, looks good at the moment. So please, God, the weather, God, shine on loud next Sunday and draw the grounds in particular. Thank you for taking our call, Aidan. You're welcome, Jerry. Take care. That's Aidan Beryl there, Financial Controller, with the Loud County Board. Final break of the day, and there's a lady in reception waiting for me. She is a major national award, and we're going to meet her next. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. No deposit and low APR same-day finance approval available. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. She's one of six. What am I talking about? Yes, Social Entrepreneurs Ireland announced six winners in their annual awards over the weekend and one of them is sitting in front of me with the most beautiful trophy I've ever seen. Alma Jordan from AgriKids. Congratulations <laughs> to Jerry, you. Jerry. thank you so much. Absolutely delighted uh, to, to get the award and I have to say the awards themselves were created by the Men's Shed Group in Clondalk and who are part of the Social Entrepreneurs Ireland alumni so there's such a lovely sense of family 
family and community I feel that I've become a part of. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an award that lights up before. I know. I went, you does. should have seen us light up when we realised that they lit up. So it was great. Tell me the whole basis of this. How did you enter? What was the process? Why you were chosen? Well, I suppose everything with AgriKids has been a very organic thing. I set about wanting to create a voice for, for parents and, and schools um, on the topic of farm safety by creating resources that were going to kickstart conversations in within houses. Start off by writing the uh, storybooks, develop the gaming apps, the interactive tools, all the various resources. And I realised then that I was actually tackling very much a social issue and um, I, I didn't actually know where to go or what to to do with it. Yes, I could go out and I could be doing the workshops and I could be doing the events and, and selling books, etc. But I, I definitely felt there was far greater potential for what it was that I had tapped into. Wasn't quite sure what it was that I had tapped into. And then a chance conversation with um, Isolt Mangan from, so, from Food Cloud led me to, re- to, to, to realise there was something called a social enterprise. And it was like everything had just aligned and fell into place because I realised in that moment, that's exactly what I am. I'm a social enterprise. I'm all about creating impact and a social change. So I found Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. They were doing, they were about to do a call for their um, awards, um, and which is which actually also includes a nine-month programme. And I set about um, applying for it. And I have to say... Um, the, the, the initial application form answered a lot of questions for me and who I was and what I was doing. We were all uh, out of 120 um, applications. 40 of us were brought into a boot camp in Croke Park in a, in May. We had to pitch and from the 40 down to a 12 and then down to the final six. And here you are I today. Know, yeah. A winner, a, a winner. national winner as, as well. Mm. Look, the, the award is marvellous, the recognition uh, and, and there's a nice financial reward with it as well. Yes. Is that important to you and the business will that make a big difference to agri kids? It certainly will because we get forty thousand and twenty thousand of that actually goes into the program that I'm going to be on for the next nine months, yeah. which includes mentoring, which includes workshops, which includes the different structures and strategies that I'm going to now need and the tools that I'm now going to need to put my concept um, into a place where it's going to be viable and sus- sustainable for schools throughout the the, the, the country. There's this also- is marvellous because you told me before. I remember now as you say that 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 was one of your big wishes. It was, it was. And I, I suppose I've always lived with this dream of build it and they will come. And that's definitely something that has, has happened now. I, I, I suppose I put it out there that I would love a schools programme to be created and developed um, that, you know, was in kin with the Agri-Kids approach and the Agri-Kids programme. And now that I can kind of see that, I'm, I can kind of maybe start putting those steps in place to get me to that final des- destination. So it's, it's, and obviously there's going to be a €20,000 actual in, in, in funding which will go a tremendous way for me to develop more resources because I'm about to bring out um, um, a vehicle. I have acquired a vehicle. I'm going to kit it out and bring AgriKids on on the road. So I'll have the screens, the games, all the interactive tools in a plug and play device and um, that again was a dream I had about 12 or 13 months ago. I was at an event in the UK and the National Farmers Union had the Discovery Barn and I walked into it and I went how could I make this this happen? And I suppose being a farmer, that sowed a seed and I allowed it to germinate. But um, unfortunately, you need cold, hard cash to make those dreams come true. So I had to go find it. So it's a win with the trophy, a win with the investment in you and a win with an investment in the business. I, I think the work is only beginning now, to be honest <laughs> with know, you. Yeah. I know, and you know, but no better woman to take on work or take on a challenge. <laughs> because look, you have shone a light on something that pains us 
any time we hear, you know, of yeah. a farm accident yeah. and somebody loses their life in a farm situation, and especially children. Oh, stop. Um, I had a, uh, actually a, a mother on to me today and she has, her heart is broken. She, she says she has a three-year-old and she says her the granddad and, and her husband are, they have him in the tractor, they're driving him around and she just, so, she, she just says, I am so scared that something is going to happen. Am I right to be scared? Am I being over precious, etc.? When it comes to the safety of our children on our farms, we do have have to be mindful. We have to be mindful that I know it is a home, but it is also a place that we work. It's a place that so many accidents can happen and are ha- happening. There is, you know, risk of poisoning. There is risk of, of with livestock. There is risk of machinery. So we always have to exercise common sense. We always have to exercise caution. And un- unfortunately, up to May of this year, we were actually losing a farmer every fortnight. In the last week, yes. in the last two weeks, we've actually lost two. That's horrendous. Horrendous. It? it really Absolutely is. Absolutely horrendous. Is. Yeah. But y- you talk about an occupation where, you know, the seasons change. We're heading autumn into winter now. But the dangers change with the seasons on a farm. Absolutely. And obviously at the moment now we're looking at a time where weather is absolutely horrendous. A lot of tillage farmers are trying to sow a crop and unfortunately they can't get out there to sow that that, that crop. The weather is so bad. And the impact of that is a lot of stress, a lot of uh, worry and concern that the crop is not going to get into the ground. So there's not going to be a wage at the far end of the of this year for many farmers. And that's a realistic issue with the farming community community, the wage, the income, trying to make, you know, their livelihoods viable so they can keep themselves and keep their family. And that feeds into the farm safety issue. And that's something that we do have to be mindful of. And we, we do have to bear that in mind with everything we do, every strategy around yeah, farm because safety. Because the consciousness of people around a farm, consciousness, yes. and, and this impinges on your mind, that worry and everything. The other thing, Alma, we were just talking about all afternoon with the cancellation of football yesterday, <laughs> God forbid us. But farms, drain Rains are filling up, yeah. rivers are in flood, ponds yeah. are at their highest level. Yeah. And, and in many ways, we don't seem to see issues with these until these actually happening. When we do see, see floods, we realise, oh my God, we have a blockage somewhere. Oh God, we have a bad drain somewhere. But the, the issue and the problem has already presented itself. There's no point in trying to firefight these issues when they are there. So, I, you know, all we can say is that, you know, look for... if something has broke has been broken fix it if something has fallen down put it back up again those are the things that don't cost money but could actually s- save a life my own dad actually took a lump of bale and twine off a bale and he went to throw it down onto the ground he turned away to do a job came around and he tripped over it and he says it would have cost me absolutely nothing to wrap that up and pop it into the proper bin instead he said I fell and I could have popped out a hip could have mm. done myself all kinds of mm. damage so very easy well you know I just wanted to have a chat with you today thank you so much for coming in and bringing that beautiful award thank you so much it's a wonderful acknowledgement for a brilliant woman may I say thank you so much Sherry again enjoy it have a great time over this programme and I know you're going to put to great use this special funding that you got and may I say you've risen to the top like cream in elite company <laughs> my granddad said cream will always rise so there you go baby it is true and he thanks for all the support you've been absolutely all. amazing no anytime and it is just reward for you and your husband and your son as well and everybody involved without them I couldn't have done it at all Mark that. especially has been that. amazing well done to you congratulations and we're meeting another winner later in the week you met her at the you, yes Dr. She's Maria local connections. absolutely you will absolutely adore her her project is phenomenal she's coming here later in the week but for the moment Again to AgriKids, Alma Jordan, congratulations. Thank you. That's a lot on late lunch for this Monday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Have a lovely evening. Eddie's next. We are back tomorrow, 1.30.
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.